he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Thank you for taking time to join us as we take time to learn from God's Word together. The message you are about to hear comes from the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene in Cape Elizabeth, Maine. Listen to more sermons or learn more about the church at our website, capenazarene.org. Agreement, peace seems hardly real. And if it is, it seems like it's just like it always slipping through our fingers, like, like, like passing your hand through mist or, or like a toddler trying to catch a, a bubble. Like, it's just one of those things that it seems like it's just always just out of reach. And especially the peace that Paul is going to talk about in the book of Romans, that a peace that might give us one voice or one mind just seems almost impossible given the current state of things. When everything else seems so fragile, when everything seems, seems so uncertain, Is peace something that we can talk about? But this Sunday in Advent, we reflect on it because we are a people of hope and expectation. We are people who believe and understand that God has done some pretty amazing things in the past and He's still at work today. And we reflect on the peace of Christ and the possibility for peace in our world and that we get to be participants in what God is about and bringing out peace. But we are, of course, left at wondering, how is this possible? What does this peace look like? Is, uh, what, what in, how are we supposed to understand what peace might be in a world like today? Let's go to Romans chapter 15. I'm going to start reading at verse, uh, verse 4. And then I'll give uh, kind of a little bit of background for this. Romans 15, starting at verse 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. So that by steadfastness, by the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another, in accordance with Jesus Christ, so that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that He might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. As it is written... Therefore, I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, and the one who rises to rule the Gentiles in him, the Gentiles shall hope. This passage in Romans chapter 15 Uh, is a passage that comes right after Paul talking to them about conflict going on in the church. And it's weird kind of to talk about this conflict because when I tell you what chapter 14 was about, and even the the first couple verses of 15 that we kind of skipped over, when I tell you what the conflict was about 2,000 years later, you're going to be like, man, that seemed awfully petty. But I suspect 2,000 years from today, if Christ hasn't returned, that people will be looking at the concerns of the church today and be like, well, that seems kind of petty. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of things. But the church at this point in time, they had, they had, had uh, uh, diverging opinions. It all, it all started when some of them were kicked out of Rome. 
And then they came back. I've told you before about constant turmoil, persecution from Roman Caesars and stuff. And, and in one of those uh, uh, reigns, they, they, they kicked out the Jewish Christians, the Christians. They said, no, you're, you're out. And they came back, and they, when they had been there, they had witnessed to the people of Rome, the Gentiles. It was just a word for those who aren't Jewish, those who, who weren't the chosen people of God in the Jewish faith. And so, so uh, But they had started to become Christians and believe. And well, when the Jewish Christians got kicked out, and then a new Caesar comes in and says, okay, you guys can come back, and they come back uh, to, to their homes, and they come back to their church, and they realize it's been a few years, and what happens after a few years is people start to diverge in their opinions, their thoughts, and how things take place. And they realize one of the things that they're doing, this is the issue, is they're eating food sacrificed to other gods. And the 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 Jewish Christians are saying, wait a minute, hold on. We can't do this. We can't eat food sacrificed to other gods. That's sacrilege. That's that's, that's, that's terrible. Like, we believe in one God. We're not going to even pretend that there are other gods. We're not going to eat that food. And the Gentile Christians are saying, well, we know those gods aren't real. We know they're fake. We know the Romans are confused. We know the only God is, is God the Father of Jesus Christ. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at work now. That, that, that's it, the Trinity. That God, that's who we worship. Everything else is nothing. And because it's nothing... If they sacrifice food to nothing, so be it. Why are we going to let good meat go to waste? And so they still want to eat. And so there's, there's, there's disagreement, and they're arguing about this. And I, I can imagine how this would play out, right? They start whispering about each other. Can you believe him? He eats meat sacrificed to Zeus. Oh, no, we can't trust him. And they start to talk poorly about him. Oh, no, if, if he's going to... Uh, if he's going to do that, who knows what else he's going to do? Oh, I can't believe they're, they're letting people uh, who eat meat sacrifice idols come, come to church. They're just, they'll, just, they'll just do anything just to get them into church these days. They're just watering down the gospel now. And like, like they're just, you know, just back and forth, bickering. And they're, they're wondering, you know, uh, how are we going to get through this? How are we going to work this out? And so Paul, in talking to them, says... Uh, in, in, in chapters 14 and leading up to where we are today, he says, guys, we have to learn how to love one another and work together as the church of Christ, as the body of believers. And he says, and you have to be willing to work with each other in each other's weaknesses and strengths. And so when we get to verse 4 where we're at today, he says to them, whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction that we could have hope. Now, this is good news for the people who are in the don't eat meat camp. This is good news for them because they're thinking to themselves, oh, the things written before pertain to today, don't they? Everything written earlier in the scripture, yeah, it still applies today. Oh, this is good news because we know what it says. It says, don't touch meat sacrificed to other gods. And so, yes, they're glad to hear Paul say this. After all, that's what was written before. They've got this. They know this. Steadfastness, yeah, we'll be steadfast in our observances. We'll make sure they are too. Like Paul said we're to be. And they're encouraged now by their own faithfulness. But he says, but Paul says, the God of steadfastness and encouragement wants to grant peace. Wants to grant living in harmony. Now that seems a little strange. Because now it means for them, that they say, wait a minute, wait, what Paul? I thought you were going to say, here's the verse. 
Uh, but instead it means they don't get to kick them out of the church. <laughs> and, and we know what peace is. Peace is supposed to be able to say who's in and who's not. I mean, and even today when we think of peace, oftentimes what we first think of is peace means people are not killing each other anymore. Peace is what we hope for in Ukraine. Peace is when war stops. And there are ways to make wars stop. If we come in with a greater force and can compel people to stop, then we win and there will be peace. In this way, peace is seen by the absence of conflict because of the threat of greater conflict. People will stop fighting. And this happens in more local scenes when someone gets someone else to cower in fear or just say, okay, okay, or in exasperation just walks away. When someone gets their way because they're able to kind of impose their will. Whatever it takes to get people to stand down. You, know, you see this when someone re- re- reacts to conflict with shouting, with lies, with badgering, with name-calling, with threats and all of that. Whatever it takes to get someone just to stand down. But is that really peace? If someone stands down from a bully, that doesn't mean there's peace. It just means they don't want to put up with that anymore. When people disagree and they just calmly ignore one another, you know, just, oh, whatever, that person's annoying, or that person just rubs me the wrong way, and they just kind of ignore them and leave them alone. Or maybe they just, you know, when they realize, I don't know if I approve of that person so much, and they say, go whisper to someone else, talk about their deficiencies, where they're weak, just just to kind of help them put up with them. That's not peace either. That's just hoping problems go away, and, and if they don't, well, at least if things get ugly, I have some people on my side now, then we can pull one of those power moves and keep them in their place. So if, if those aren't peace, if peace isn't just, we avoided the conflict for now, what does peace look like then? How, how is it that Paul is hoping we live? Well, Paul's example here is one of harmony. This is what he says, of harmony, of, of being with one voice. And I love that illustration because Paul knows the issue in the early church isn't going to go away and he knows there's going to be issues that arise in the future. But he says, what if, despite how different we are, we might all be able to say with one voice how important God is for us and for this world. That if all of us could come with all of our different voices but still have one voice and one message, a true harmony together. And I love that example. Because to have true harmony together, we have people of different voices singing, you can't just have one person overpowering the other. Or one person saying, oh, I'm doing it my way, no matter how you want to do it, I'm just doing it my way. It just doesn't work that way. You have to find ways of working together. One of the things that has happened the last uh, few decades that I've kind of enjoyed hearing and seeing is, is musical collaborations, People of different walks of life, different backgrounds, entirely different styles of music will get together and collaborate and create something beautiful, create something memorable, create at least something catchy. And so, like, from my childhood, it was Aerosmith and uh, Run DMC and Walk This Way. More recently, it's been the likes of Ed Sheeran and Eminem, Elton John, and Dua Lipa? Really? These people can work together and collaborate and create some pretty amazing music. 
And there are people from completely different walks of life, different styles of music, different social economic backgrounds, different countries even, different ways of viewing the world. But yet they decide, hey, we can come together and we can collaborate and we can create something beautiful that's going to be meaningful and impactful to those who are listening. And this is Paul's hope for the church. Hey, we're going to have completely different backgrounds and understandings of what Christ means for us because of where we've come from. But we have to be willing to harmonize and collaborate together. And of course, that doesn't sound good for the early church who wanted to put people in their place. For those who came back and said, "Uh uh-uh, we got to keep that mediating crowd out. It doesn't seem to, it means there's no impetus for them to silence that other group. They got to collaborate and figure out how to collaborate together is a lot harder than just passing down rules to control them. I'm going to give you an example. When I was um, first got my feet wet into becoming a pastor, uh, I was in seminary where I asked to go to this, uh, uh, I was asked if I wanted to preach in this little church called Gun City. The rural church, town of 80 people. There's like two roads and houses on either side of both roads. And that's the town. That's it. 80 people. 40 minutes from Kansas City, we had to drive there. And um, about 15 minutes from the nearest bathroom. They did have an outhouse at the church, fortunately, but for potty, for potty training a child, that was, that was, that was its own challenge. <laughs> and so anyway, we, uh, we went there. I remember we were pastoring, and, and I got to meet... Uh, kind of the, the matriarch of the church, the, the lady who everyone looked up to. She's the one who kept things going. She's the one who, who got in contact with the seminary and, and brought in pastors. They, had, they, they were this small little Christian church that just kept getting seminarians in for the last like 60 years. And, uh, and, I, and I was introduced to her that first Sunday when after I preached, because I was just going to preach that first Sunday and then they determined afterwards when afterwards she stood up after the, after the end of the service and she said, okay, well, you heard him preach. Let's vote on him right now. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and then they like show of hands as whether or not they wanted me to uh, be their pastor for a while. And I was like, well, that's not how the Nazarene church does it, but okay. <laughs> and uh, so that was kind of fun. That's how I met her. That's how I got to know her. She was just someone who's like, this is how we're going to take care of things. I'm going to take care of it. So one Sunday, one Sunday, uh, uh, we show up, and it's summertime, and it's warm, it's hot out, there's no air conditioning in the church, just like this one, and just, just a, uh, a warm day, and so the doors are open, windows are open, and the church gets started, and she's, she begins playing music. And the neighbor across the street starts their lawnmower. <laughs> and then uh, we continue going, and she's still mowing her lawn. <laughs> and, then, and then I'm preaching, Lawn's still getting mowed. <laughs> and, and, like, and we heard that throughout the whole service. And afterwards, uh, after the service, and got down, and that lady came to me and says, she says to me, Pastor, I'm going to go to the town council, and I'm going to have them pass a rule. No mowing your lawn on Sunday mornings. That's it. I'm not going to deal with that anymore. And I said to her, oh, no, please don't. <laughs> please don't do that. I'll just go knock on her door, and I'll ask her. And then she laughed that's okay, she's on the town council. <laughs> and I was like, no. But like sometimes it's so much easier for us to say, hey, you know what? If we pass this law, uh, uh, we, we, can just, we, can just, we can just cement it and it's okay. And, and what's interesting, like when she said, that's okay, she's on the town council. The interesting thing about rules is when there's a rule that's put in place, almost always people are like, 
Yeah, that was directed at me. <laughs> like, they know. They know. And Paul says, yeah, that, that's, that's not how the church should be operating, ideally. When God, when, when, so when Paul talks about, okay, here's how we're going to deal with this. Let me share with you from the Scriptures, those Scriptures that still work today, those Scriptures that still offer encouragement today. When Paul gets to quoting Scripture, you know, the Scriptures that are supposed to show them, hey, this is what, this is what we're going to live by, he isn't pulling out the Scriptures that lay down the law for them. He pulls out the Scriptures that are supposed to help them sing in harmony together. This is because, as he says, all Scripture is read and defined in the light of Christ. This is what he says in verse 7-8. Welcome one another as Christ welcomed you. And I tell you, Christ became a servant to you so that you might also be a servant to one another. This is, this is the message. Everything is read in the light of Christ. Jesus, the embodiment of love, teaches us how to read Scripture, which Scriptures to emphasize, uh, how it is that we're going we're to live according to Scripture. And so Paul finds himself pulling from the Scriptures that tell us, you get to live in harmony with everybody, even those who don't think like you, even those who don't have your background, who don't uh, 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 have the same convictions you have. The people on the outside get to become the insiders. That is the nature of God's grace. When he quotes these scriptures about the Gentiles, basically he's saying, those people out there, they get to join in the praise of God. They get to join in the faith. And that is the gospel truth. That is, that is the, the good news of Jesus Christ come down to earth, is that God has said, I care so much about everyone here that I offer salvation to all who will accept it, and all who need it. And so this praise goes out beyond just our walls, beyond just people who think like us and act like us. It goes out to everyone. And so he calls on that good news and reminds the church, even those people who think differently than you do, even those who say, oh, man, why don't you agree with this law? Why don't you agree with this statement of faith. Why don't you agree with this way of living our faith? To that, Paul says, let's learn to recognize where we still can testify to and speak about the grace and love of Jesus Christ. And we have in our world today uh, many examples of that, not only the thousands of denominations that exist today. Yeah, we're into the thousands now. Um, but we find that in all kinds of walks of life where we find people who have no idea who they are, where they identify, what they believe, what they know. And we're all kind of navigating, working through this together. And Paul is telling us, the church, remember that God's love reaches out to them as well. And we, as agents of Christ, as Christians, as followers of Him, are going to continue to wonder, find ways in which we can speak about God's desire of salvation, God's desire of liberation, God's presence in our life today, despite our differences. And so communities, and even communities of faith, are full of people with differing opinions. 
And we have deep feelings about important issues. And it's, it's going to be easy for us just to kind of say, oh, well, you know, maybe if I just be quiet, you know, and ignore people who are different, it'll bring peace. But that doesn't bring peace. That just kind of ignores things. Uh, Paul lays out a different way. He speaks bold words, but his words are ultimately a call to remember who we are. He doesn't ignore the conflict. He wades right into it, but not, not wielding power, not as a way of saying, let me put you in your place but as a way of saying, just remember we're to be like Christ. And, and we live in days of ex- seemingly extreme division. And it would be, of course, a mistake to just ignore that. But instead, we need to find ourselves asking, okay, if there's going to be peace on earth, if that's, if that's a part of our prayer, if that's a part of our songs this season, in what ways does it begin with me? In what ways can I make sure I'm an agent of peace and not one of division? Are there changes in my life that need to be made to become a peacemaker? After all, Jesus said to the gathered crowd on the mount, blessed are the peacemakers. And if God has extended grace and peace to us, where then do we find ourselves needing to extend grace and mercy? It's not about a list of things we shouldn't shouldn't do. It's a call to look at the person of Jesus Christ and at who we're supposed to be in this world. People who are like Christ, So we can examine our hearts and do the hard work of walking through conflict with those who think differently so we can find a deeper and wider community of faith, a community of peace and a community of Christ who with one voice learn to glorify God in perfect harmony. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for... um, the reminder that you have a plan and a purpose beyond what we can see. The Heavenly Father, you are uh, constantly um, working in ways that we can't see. And Heavenly Father, sometimes I, I think if I can just get out of the way, if I can just focus on what you are saying to me rather than what you need to say to somebody else, that Lord... Doors start to open. Barriers start to come down. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us during this time to look for and yearn for peace and find ourselves asking, where can we be instruments of peace rather than instruments of division and conflict and argument, something of which we see far too much. But Lord, we believe that you are the God who continues to be at work. You are always calling us towards you and your salvation even before we're fully aware of it. And so, Heavenly Father, help us to believe you're bringing peace as well. Let us partner with you in it. Thank you again, Lord, for this call. Amen. But Lord, we believe that you are the God who continues to be at work. You are always calling us towards you and your salvation even before we're fully aware of it. And so, Heavenly Father, help us to believe you're bringing peace as well. Let us partner with you in it. Thank you again, Lord, for this call. Amen. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. 
Our website also includes instructions for subscribing to our podcast so you can have a message delivered to you weekly. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.